You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. King Jesus, you reign over all, seated on your throne, unchanging. We give you worship today. We exalt you. We praise you. We magnify your name. And now as we turn to your word today, we invite you by your Holy Spirit to come and to speak into our hearts. Use your word to encourage us, to minister to us, to stir us afresh. We invite you, take it and use it to speak to us, we pray. Amen. Well, through our services in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some characters from the Bible, people who played small parts in the big story of what God is doing in the earth, if you like, in God's big picture. You see, the story of the Bible is really the big picture of God's story of his interaction with mankind. It began, of course, in creation when he made man and woman was followed by the fall where Adam and Eve rebelled against God and chose their own rule instead of God's ways and setting the direction for all mankind to follow. Then God chose Abraham to call a people who would be his people and through whom all people would be blessed. On the journey, there was a time of slavery and then redemption and being saved and rescued from slavery. There was being brought into a land for God's people to possess it and establish a kingdom in a particular place. At times, if you know the Old Testament, it went well. At times, it really didn't go so well. And then, of course, God sent a savior, Jesus, his son, in flesh to come as a man who lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death that changed the story forever, opened up access to God for every sinner who would receive Jesus Christ. And then he poured out his spirit on all his followers, birthed the church, his church that would be involved in reconciling all things to God through Jesus, to establish his kingdom throughout the whole earth before a time that we don't yet know when Jesus Christ will return in his glory. This is God's big picture. This is the big story of what he's on with here in the earth. Now, kids, if you're there, grab some paper, get some pens, get some crayons. Uh, In just a minute, make sure you're ready uh, to draw something because we're going to cut into this epic story today at Exodus chapter two. This is a few generations after Abraham and God's people find themselves as slaves in Egypt. If you want to know the backstory of how that all gets to where it is, You can read the second half of Genesis from about chapter 25 to the end. But here we cut in, God's people, they're slaves. They're oppressed. They're forced into labor. And because they were increasing in numbers and the Egyptians were afraid that they might revolt against them, then the Egyptians had brought in a terrible rule that all baby boys should be thrown into the Nile. We're going to pick it up and read Exodus 2 verses 1 to 10. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds 
and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, boys and girls, why not either find a baby doll and a basket or draw a baby in a basket in the reeds and the river and then draw or pretend to be the person that I am going to talk about. Now, maybe you thought that I was going to speak today about Moses, but I'm not. We're going to talk about Miriam. We don't even get told her name in the verses we just read. She's just referred to as the baby's sister. Probably you know the background to Moses. Moses grew up and there was a long and complex journey which ended up in him being used by God to lead the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt into freedom. You could say that he was one of the big names in God's story. But we meet him here in this story and he's just a tiny baby. When Pharaoh had ordered that all such babies who were boys would be thrown into the Nile, but his family didn't do that. They hid him. As we read today, when he was too big to hide any longer, they found a basket, they made it waterproof and they put him in it and put it in the Nile. And from there he was found and rescued by Pharaoh's daughter who had gone there to bathe. The baby was crying, Pharaoh's daughter felt sorry for him and so Moses' life gets saved. And he goes on to play a key part in God's big picture, working with these people who God has chosen to be called his own. Lots of people know about Moses, but I want us to look today at Miriam. I think there's at least three things that Miriam does here in this story, just as a little girl that helped to save Moses. Her actions make way for him to survive, for him to be around to play the part that God had for him to play in God's big picture. What was it that Miriam did? Well, first up, Miriam kept confidence. The family hid the baby. Now, if you've ever tried to bring a baby to church or take a baby actually anywhere where you were hoping that they would be quiet and go unnoticed, you know this is really difficult, maybe even impossible. Keeping a baby hidden, it was not just the job for the baby's mother, it was for the whole family. Miriam as big sister, but herself still a little girl, she had to keep it quiet too. She had to keep the confidence, not blow the cover. She had to play her part in keeping the baby safe. One careless, reckless moment 
and he could have been lost, but she was careful. She kept confidence. Secondly, Miriam kept watch. As we read in those verses, as the basket with the baby was left in the reeds, she watched at a distance to see what would happen to him. She watched to make sure nothing terrible took place. I don't know if you've ever wondered what could have happened to Moses in the basket at the edge of the Nile. I understand that until about 50 years ago when the Aswan Dam was completed in Egypt, according to the National Geographic, there was a specific species of crocodile that lived there called the Nile crocodile. It could grow up to six feet long and had apparently a well-deserved reputation as a man-eater. This was not a safe place to put a baby in a basket. And kids, if you've drawn Moses and the basket and Miriam, maybe you could make your picture look a bit more scary now with a big crocodile with lots of triangle teeth. So Moses had been at risk from birth. Miriam and the family could keep him hidden no longer, but she could watch over him to see that he made it through safely. And that's what she did. She watched over him. Thirdly, at an opportune moment, Miriam spoke up for him. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, at which point this little girl steps out. It says she approached Pharaoh's daughter. She addressed Pharaoh's daughter. Wow, Miriam, so brave. She would have known it was dangerous to do this. They'd been hiding this baby for three months because of what the Egyptians wanted to do to it that was brutal. Her father was part of a slave labor force, probably worked to the bone every single day. And yet she stepped out. She approached Pharaoh's daughter and she spoke up for him. What a girl, how brave. Probably just, you know, somewhere between seven and 12 years old and she didn't shrink back. You know, Miriam could have been jealous. She had a younger brother, Aaron, and now another baby had come along. You know, very often, it's quite normal in a family when there's a new baby, there can be some discomfort for the other children, the other siblings, because things get changed. Attention has to be shared further. Mother is normally totally preoccupied and pretty exhausted. Children in such times can be prone to be jealous, to show attention-seeking behavior, Sometimes a new sibling arriving can bring out some of the worst behavior. I've got several nieces. When Abigail, uh, the oldest one, uh, when she was about two, then her, sig her sister was born, who was called Betty. And Abigail coped really well for the first week or so, but then was heard to say, can we take Betty back now? Not an abnormal response for a little one, of course. Miriam was a little bit older than that, but it would have been understandable for Miriam to behave differently, especially towards a sibling that mummy thought was so extra special. But she spoke up for him. She kept confidence. She watched out for him. And then she spoke up for him at just the right moment. What would have happened without Miriam? What would have happened to God's big picture? What would have happened to his purposes? We can never know that for sure. But we can see that Miriam played a little part, but a really critical part 
in God's big picture at a truly desperate time for God's people. When we read through Exodus 2, we see this little girl who could easily be overlooked in the story. She was a child, she was a slave. On top of being female, she didn't naturally look like someone who was gonna have any influence. She didn't look like someone who was gonna change the destiny of nations. In Exodus 2, she doesn't even get named. And yet this little girl played an important part in God's big picture. Her story gets woven into the tapestry of the story of God's people and what he's doing in the earth. Later on, she gets referred to as a prophetess, someone who could hear what God was saying. In Micah, who was another prophet, whose words are recorded in one of the little books towards the end of the Old Testament, it says there of God speaking to Israel through him, I sent Moses to lead you and Aaron and Miriam. She ends up having a part to play in leading God's people. Now it's true that if you read the whole story, she didn't always do that really, really well. She didn't handle it brilliantly at times. And if you wanna read more about that, you can read it in Numbers 12 if you want to, but it doesn't take away from the fact that God took a little slave girl and gave her a part to play in his big picture, put her story into God's story in the earth. Your name may not make it into the history books. It, it may do, but it may not. But still God can use all of our stories in his big story. We can all have a part to play in God's big picture as he works to reconcile and to bring back people to God before Jesus returns. In Ephesians, a book in the New Testament, which Paul wrote, in chapter two, verse 10, he says this, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He made all of us with a part to play, with good works for us to do. Those works, they, they may be a confidence to keep. They may be somebody to watch over, maybe to pray over. Maybe it'll involve speaking out for someone at a key moment, or, or maybe thousands of other possible ways to serve, to give, to love, to make a difference, to bring God's kingdom. These last few months have been such a strange time. For some of us, it can seem like a wasted time. And some of us can find ourselves feeling very lost in the middle of it all. There are many things that I don't know and many questions that I cannot answer, but I do know that God's word remains unchanged, which means we are still God's workmanship. It says in Psalm 33, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. God's purpose, God's big picture is unchanged, even in the chaos of coronavirus. He's on the throne. His plans are standing firm and he made you and he's holding you and his plans for you have not changed. For us as his church, we may not, maybe, we may not be able to meet together and sing together just now, 
but we are still filled with his spirit, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that were prepared in advance for us to do, to make us part of his big picture, part of his story of reconciling the world to himself before Jesus Christ returns. Friends, these are uncertain times, but we can be encouraged that the Lord does not change and his plans stand firm. This story today reminds us that your story, our stories, they might not be going right now quite how we thought they would be or how we hoped they would be, but they can still be part of God's story, of God's big picture that's playing out through the decades, through the centuries, as his plans stand firm forever, as his purposes stay true through all generations. So as I come to finish, maybe there's some boys and girls listening right now and you know that you want your life and your story to be part of God's story. You want him to use you like he used Miriam. And maybe you could stand up right now to respond just in your living room or wherever you're watching to respond to him while I pray in just a moment. Maybe you're listening and you're a young adult or a grown-up or a young person. and You know you want your story to be part of God's story. I'll encourage you to respond to him in some way this morning. Maybe stand where you are or position yourself to receive as we pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are at work, that your plans stand firm forever and that the purposes of your heart are through all generations. And thank you that you have a part for every one of us to play in what you are doing on the earth. Would you help every one of us in this season when so much is changed to hold on to you, to know you leading us and guiding us, positioning us and using us and providing us with everything that we need for every situation. I pray that you would fill your people afresh today with your Holy Spirit. Anoint them afresh for what you've created them to do. Fill them with hope and peace that you are the unchanging sovereign Lord working out your purposes in the earth. Lord, we love you. We want to be used by you. We want to play a little part in your big story that sees you glorified in the earth, that sees your kingdom come and your will done on earth as it is in heaven. So. Hear the cry of our hearts today as we respond to you. Fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen.